After Dark with Mark. Have you fucked up yet? Alright, welcome to another episode of After Dark with Mark. Today I receive the consultant and international sales director of Proctor Gallagher Institute, Doug Dane. Doug, thank you, my friend. I'm happy to have you here. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm doing spectacular. Excellent. Uh, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been a great inspiration for me. I don't know if you know that, but, uh, in, but your path hasn't been all um, warm and fuzzy, you know, to arrive to this, to this place, to this position that I know you absolutely love. You had to go through some heartache. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, your path that brought you here. So what were you doing before to become, uh, uh, the international sales director of Proctor Gallagher Institute? Well, um, I mean, my, my relationship and my work with Proctor Gallagher started about, uh, well, be five years ago, uh, coming this May. And uh, it started, well, it probably started a long time ago in the late 80s when I went to a seminar with Bob, a weekend seminar, but that is part, sort of a different part of the story. But um, I was uh, in the mortgage business for 25 years, um, running my own business, and uh, I was stuck. Uh, I was doing well in the business, but I wanted to do something else. I felt I was supposed to be doing something else wasn't really motivated about the business I was in, although I was doing well. I just wanted to figure out how I could continue to earn an income and not have to work at it. And um, actually, I turned the movie The Secret on. I was kind of in a depression again um, and um, didn't quite know what to do. So I threw the movie on for some reason. I don't know. It was like a, it was like a Friday morning, um, 11 o'clock after coffee with a friend. And I, for some reason, I turned it on and Bob Proctor came on. And I remembered everything that he had said in the seminar that I attended back in the late eighties. And so I, I downloaded the book from that seminar off his website called you were born rich. And then I got on his email list and then this offer for a, a coaching program came along. I thought, geez, that sounds like just the thing that I need because I wasn't really being mentored or coached by anybody. I was always sort of always doing things by myself and uh, trying to succeed on my own. And so, yeah, I got in the coaching program and, um, Almost almost a year later, just over a year later, um, I ended up uh, in this business, which is a whole other story in itself, but that's kind of the Coles version of it, Coles Notes version of it anyway. It's really interesting because you, you've met him, you met Bob, Bob Proctor, in the late 80s, but mm -hmm. you, it took you all that time in order for you to start it really working at and in, in, correct me if I'm wrong, but what you were meant to do. Yeah, I, I was definitely meant to do this. Um, it's funny, about um, a year in, um, I was at an event, and Bob had asked me to come on stage to tell my story, and I was standing at the back of the room just waiting to go up, thinking about what I, you know, what I was going to say, and um, he, just, he just wanted people, or people to hear my sort of story with Proctor Gallagher, because, you know, that's a, a pretty exciting story in itself, too. And um, as I'm standing at the back of the room, I remember this. I had this memory when I was at that seminar. It was like it was 89. It was a weekend seminar in Toronto. 
And I was going to get into business with Bob Proctor. I remember they were selling the You Were Born Rich program on um, VHS tape. And I made my mind up that I was going to buy these tapes. I was going to go home. I was going to rent a big screen television. And I was going to invite all my friends in for a weekend seminar. Every weekend I was going to run a seminar and play this seminar on these tapes. And I was going to make a million dollars. So and, you just uh, wanted to do the same thing that what Bob was doing. Yeah. And I, I forgot all about that, you know? And um, anyway, so I, I bought the, I bought, bought the programs. I went home, I rented a TV. I called all my friends and did a weekend event. And only one guy showed up. I remember his name's Terry. He showed up and we watched it for the whole weekend. I don't know where all those tapes went and I don't know where the idea went, but I back then I said I was going to be in business with Bob Proctor. Um, so it's funny how you you plant these seeds and ideas and you just never know when they're going to when they're going to come to fruition. But I I mean I certainly was putting off a lot of things in my life out of fear and doubt and you know poor self confidence. Um, but yeah, this is definitely what I was uh, meant to do for sure. But based from the outside world, based from society standard it looked that you were successful if people were seeing you from the outside you know in your mortgage business people were going to you and and asked for a mortgage to buy a new house or a second home mm -hmm. and all this and and they trusted in you and uh, you were you were successful I was inside, successful. Yeah. inside it, it was it was all messed up totally yeah totally messed up i i looked i looked uh, yeah, I looked successful. I mean, I was successful financially. It's the one thing when I went to that event, um, to that seminar, I said it was called You Were Born Rich. I was just looking to earn some money because I just, I just gone bankrupt. I had a, I failed a couple of businesses and I wanted to earn some money. And um, so I, I learned how to make money. I, I was able to shift my paradigm around money because I grew up in a very, very poor family. Uh, I figured out why I wasn't able to earn money because I had a very poor attitude towards money and people with money. So once I figured that out, I started earning, you know, earning money and I never had a problem with that. So I looked the part, I looked successful. I was very good at what I did, obviously. So I was very confident in the mortgage industry, but I wasn't confident in me. And certainly nobody had any clue as to what was going on, you know, inside the depression, the anxiety, self-image problems. Nobody knew what I thought of myself. That's for sure. How, how many people do you think are living this way that they, they are looking the part, but inside is, is they just feel empty. And I know that now there is campaign in Canada, which is really good. Uh, I know bell is really strong into campaign about depression and, mm -hmm. uh, and bipolarity and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. But that is something that you've been suffering uh, a, a major part of your life. Mm -hmm. and, and nobody knew about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, think, I, think, I think pretty much everybody's struggling, Mark, to be honest. I mean, when I first got into this business, I remember the first year or so, I go, I think people, I think most people have a self-image problem. And the second year I'm going, ah, well, maybe it's just me. No, I think, yeah, I think most people do. And, and the, by year three, I go, everybody's got a self-image problem to some degree or another. But um, yeah, I mean, I think most people are struggling. Um, and I always say, like my first website, when my story went public, was called Talking Works. And I really believe that telling the truth about who you really are and telling your story is very, very freeing. And um, I think everybody's struggling. Um, nobody wants to admit it, but everybody wants to talk about it. And the, the Let's Talk campaign with Bell 
I don't want to, you know, I don't want to minimize what they're trying to do, but I mean, that's not what people need. Um, and there's a lot of people out there, I think they're struggling with anxiety and depression um, and they just don't understand uh, what the real cause of it is. They're on meds and they're all doing all kinds of things. I'm not saying that people, you know, don't need medication or counseling or therapy, but I went through a lot of counseling and therapy and a lot of it I didn't need. I just didn't understand, you know, how and my it, it, it didn't help at the time. Uh, well, you know what's funny thing about counseling, right? It's you, 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 you feel like crap. You go get some counseling or therapy, you talk it out and then you feel better for, you know, a few weeks or so. And then, you know, then you're right back to the same spot because you, you keep looking backwards on your life. You keep playing over and over the same tape of where you've been, where you come from, what you've done. It's not very forward thinking. It's always backward looking. And that's where you stay. Where you look is where you go. Now, you're saying something which uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are listening to it right now. And they're just like, whoa, wait a second, dude. Uh, you know, what do you mean that everybody has a self a self-confidence or self-image problem, which, you know, you're saying this. And if I look back into my life, which as well, same thing for me, if people are looking at me, you know, I'm looking the part. I always have been very conscious about the way I look and the way I present myself. But at the same token, like those self-doubt, those self, uh, self-confidence, you're looking at yourself, you say, okay, can, can I really go there can can people give me that opportunity and things like when you have that thought with yourself when you're going at bed and this is what i say when you go to bed at night and you can have your partner next to you uh, it doesn't matter you by yourself and that is truly you with you and when you have that that talk with yourself mm -hmm. how do you feel when you go in bed at night are you are you feeling good about yourself are you feeling that that you where you should be and I think that this is what, what you're referring to. Yeah, well, I mean, so there's a difference between self-image and self-confidence. So I've studied a lot about that, of course, because that's what I was struggling with. Um, and what I've realized is that you know, your self-image, like how you see yourself, it, it controls everything in your life. And so if you're not happy in your life and your self-image is governing what you do, then you must have a self-image problem. You, you're, you know, like for me, I just, I was the biggest struggle for me in my life was relationships. And so I saw myself a certain way in relationships. And guess what? I kept making the same mistakes over and over in those relationships. Cause I saw myself a certain way and I kept on repeating the behavior and uh, struggling and with trust and confidence and intimacy and all that crap. So I, when I say everybody's got a self-image problem, I just mean that, um, if you aren't getting the results that you want in your life, then you got to take a look at how you see yourself. But to answer your earlier question relates to the same thing. A lot of people, I'd say if I made a bet, I'd say 90%, 95% of the people uh, are struggling. So when, you, when you're talking about self-image, can you elaborate a little bit on what you're referring to? Because it, it is a concept which I think it's totally misunderstood. I think mm -hmm. that when you start talking about self-image, the very first thing that people are talking about is the way you, you look, your, the way you dress, uh, what, type of, what type of wardrobe that you're having, but that is not what you're referring to. No, no. I mean, the, that's, that's the outward image that you portray in terms of how you talk, walk, act, and dress. Um, but there's, others, there's other parts of your self-image. So really... 
you know, your self-image is your concept of yourself. Like how do you, how do you, what do you think about yourself? Um, how do you feel about yourself? Um, and, you know, what are you actually, you know, how are you living your life? Like how, how do people see on the outside? So if I say, hey, tell me what you think about that Mark guy. What do you, what do you think about him? And, and how, do you, how do you feel about him? And, you know, what's he, what's he do? What's he like? Uh, people would have a description of you. And so the image, the self-image is, is an outer image, but it's also how you see yourself on the inside. Really, truly what you think and how you feel about yourself. And I think for most people, that's not in harmony. And, you know, you can pick it up. You can, you can tell when people are, you know, they're putting on uh, an air about them. You can, you, can, you can feel it when they're not, something's off. They're just, you just they're not in harmony. They're uncomfortable, anxious, nervous, you know, like that was me. Um, and I got really good at covering it up. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's how you're feeling on the inside really. And, and really, how do you perceive yourself? Like I just, I honestly, pardon like I used to think I was a piece of shit. That's what I'd tell myself. Um, you know, when I was a little kid, my mom said, you're like the little devil because I was born on devil's night. And she called me a little devil. My brother was born on Valentine's Day and called him the angel. Sure enough, he was good and I was bad, you know. Um, so we have these images or this concept of ourselves that was constructed by others. And then we took it on and, you know, we uh, went from there and just continued to, to carry it on. We, we wear a mask. Um, we pretend to be who we're not. Uh, and then we feel like a hypocrite, you know, dishonest, out of harmony, liars, whatever. So, but were you, were you doing all those things, which basically you said that, okay, that was my self-image. This is how I felt about myself. But at the same token, uh, you were feeling your, that that's how you felt about yourself because you were doing those things or that's because you were thinking about doing those things. No, I mean, well, so if you, if you put into three buckets, health, wealth, and relationships, right. Which is sort of the standard three, I suppose, um, Financially, I was doing well. I, I knew how to make money. I was great in business. I was successful, all that. Uh, relationships, I had, I had wonderful relationships in my life, but I didn't feel good in those relationships. Um, you know, I didn't have courage. I was afraid to speak up. I lacked confidence. I was worried if I, if I spoke up for what I wanted, you know, the person's going to leave me. Uh, I couldn't be fully honest. Um, I was unfaithful. Like I, I really struggle. And, you know, if you look at my story, you can understand why. Um, and it's almost like a, it's almost like a disease left over from the residue of all the abuse I went through, but it's not an excuse. It's just, it's just a fact. Um, and then in health, um, I've always been fairly healthy, but I also, you know, struggled with, um, you know, skin conditions, which was a result of uh, the anxiety um, and what was going on insight, you know, inferiority complex, anxiety, depression, you know, like we talk about in our work, your, your body, when you're, when you're filled with fear, worry, and doubt, you move into a state of dis-ease and your body disintegrates. And so I wasn't all that healthy. Um, so I can make money, but the other areas of my life, you know, and don't get me wrong, I, I had a good life. I mean, there's lots of times where I enjoyed myself and I had great friends and we had I had fun and traveled and I've done lots of, like, don't get me wrong. It hasn't been a, a terrible life and I'm very grateful. 
Um, but if you knew how I was struggling on the inside and the things I would say to myself and how I felt about myself and the conversations, like I called them nasty blathering voices. Like they just, I was just going blah, 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 blah. Like it, it was just, it was repetitious, became a habit too. So all this, which like I call fuck ups was, was allowing you to finally say, okay, enough is enough. Like I need to do something about Mm -hmm. it. And was it related to, to your personal life to, to, okay, you know, I know how to, to earn money, but now I, I want to have, I want to be happy about myself. I want to be happy from the inside out yeah. so I can truly create something on the outside, which represent who truly I would like to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I, what I started to really do is um, start to figure out, you know, who I was and um, started to attempt to have the courage to be myself and really be the person who I really am. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a deeply sensitive, emotional, kind, caring guy. You know, I'm a good man and I'm an amazing father. Um, but if you looked at some of my actions in the past, you might not see it that way. And for the longest time, I'd say, if you really knew everything about me, you wouldn't want to be in my life. Now, that wasn't true, but that's, you know, that's what I was thinking. And so it wasn't long ago, a couple of years ago, around Christmas time, I finally figured out why I felt like crap my whole life because, you know, the nature of who I am, the nature of who we all are, uh, you know, I'm a good person. And um, I really was this honest, caring, deeply caring guy um, and cared about people. But yet I was doing things that was so out of character with who I really was. And that's why I was in such conflict because I, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, the, the abusive childhood was causing me to do things in relationships that just didn't make any sense to me. So I, I was just so in conflict. When I finally came to that realization, like, enough is enough. Um, and uh, I finally got myself to a point where I, I, you know, I knew that I would never repeat that behavior again. But I really got down to the root cause of it. Um, and, um, you know, I didn't, the other thing I realized is that I didn't need to spend all this time thinking about what was wrong with me and look backwards. All I had to do was decide who I wanted to be, uh, and start acting like that person. And, and then you, I became that person. And so the biggest thing was, you know, just acting, being myself in front of people. And then it was cool because I started to get these wonderful reactions. Like people go, man, oh man, have you ever changed? Like, you know, from a year ago you've really changed. And all I was doing was just being myself, but having the courage to do it. And then I started to feel better. Isn't it that simple? You know what? <laughs> I remember talking to Bob, um, cause I've been, you know, him and I are friends and I work closely with them and you know, he mentors me and you know, I can call him up anytime and, and I ask him questions or advice and I do. And, and he kept telling me what to do. He says, Doug, just let it go. Just forget about it. I go, Bob, it's not that simple. He goes, no, seriously let it go. Just forget about it. I go, no, like Bob, I mean, I know you had a rough life and poor child and all that stuff, but you didn't come from like, you know, coming from abuse. It's a totally different world than not being abused. Like it's, it's, you know, trauma causes it. He goes, I said, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. And so I went about trying to prove him wrong that it, it's different. And I was wrong. It's not different. It, it is very, very simple. We, we make it so complicated. And I remember, you know, uh, a, a head of a, of a, a school board in London, Ontario, I was doing talks to high schools and he, he called me something. I never heard it before. He goes, Doug, you're a cognitive authority. 
He said, you don't have any education, you know, you don't have any degrees. He said, but you're an authority on this because you've lived it. And, um, mm. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, like I know, I, I know cause I, I've been through it and I, when you, when you tell your story, other people tell you their story. So I've got, you know, I got lots of research and lots of validation. I can't back it up with degrees and dissertations and thesis, but I can tell you from practical real life experience, um, I'm a walking authority and um, I know what it takes to change it. Cause I've done it myself. And I always wanted to be that guy. I didn't want to remember my, my counselor at the time that helped me with my, my abuse. Um, she said, you, you have no right to, to get up and tell people, you know, what they should do or how they should do it unless you're doing it yourself. So I always wanted to walk the talk. You know, I wasn't just going to teach it. I had to really live it and breathe it and be, be proof that, you know, I can it's, working. It. Yeah, 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 it's working. Exactly. Yeah. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're saying that it is as simple as this. So for someone which have been going through that and you talk, you talked about the abuse, I mean, uh, you know, you, you shared with me a little bit of, about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was just thunderstruck. I was like, okay. Uh, now you can talk about it because I believe you made peace with it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not, that's not, that's not you. That's something that happened to you. And that's not who you are now. You, right. you make the change and now you, you making it a, a mission to be able to help anybody which have been going through that and, and that want to make a change and want to really take control of their life. So what you're saying is that someone which have been experiencing this can make a change if you decide to do so. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yep. yep. So what um, would you recommend? What would you recommend first? to someone that is listening to this right now and it's really struggling, you know, have very poor self-confidence, cannot even look at themselves in the mirror. Like what should they start with? Well, you know, I just, it's funny. You just, as soon as you said, look in the mirror, I was thinking about my answer for a second. Then I thought of something. Uh, I wrote a phenomenal little book called the four agreements. And um, in that, and that book literally saved my life. Um, because I was you know, thinking suicide, the whole shebang. Um, anyway, I'm not going to get into the book, but um, in the book, he said, I want, you to, I want you to go into the bathroom and I want you to look in the mirror. He was talking about light and, and how we reflect, we have this reflection of ourself and you can, you can look in the mirror and, and the light is just, a, the, your, your reflection is just light. And he said, take a look at yourself in the mirror. He said, then, and look at yourself closely. So then turn off the light. And you're standing alone in the dark. And that's you. That's the real you. And I, and I did that. I remember standing there going, okay, I'm not looking at this reflection of this, this person I see on the outside. And I really kind of tapped into, like, and I think all of you that are listening know what I'm talking about, is that no matter what you're struggling with right now or how you're feeling or where you've been, if you reach deep inside, you know that there's something special about you and you know that there's something that you're supposed to do and you know, there's a purpose to your life and you know that you're meant to do something with it. You can feel it. We all feel it, but there's so much crap laid on top that you don't really believe it. But if you can, if you can, if you can tap into that feeling and just acknowledge it and then just make a decision, go enough is enough. Now, you know, rather motivated by inspiration or desperation, um, and uh, either you know to gain pleasure or avoid pain. And I just got to the point where I was I was so fed up, and 
I just didn't like the way I was living my life and the choices I was making. And you, it just, it's just a decision. It's that, it's that simple. Uh, and you don't have to know how to do it right now because it, unless you decide to do it, you don't need to know how to do it anyway, unless, unless you're really going to act on it. Like you don't need the formula unless you decide you're going to do it. But once you make that decision, um, then you can, you can make a change. Um, and so that's the starting point. And we, I made it way too complicated. Um, um, I over, overanalyzed, overthought stuff. I think that's, I was going to say, that's not my nature. That's my nurture. I think I became analytical and overcompensating, overthinking because I was always had to protect myself or so I thought. Oh, that's interesting. So you yeah. thinking that a person which is very, very emotional will become extremely analytical to protect himself. Well, that's what happened to me. I, I've, I've met a lot of people. Like when I, when I meet them, I start talking to them. Um, I can tell how analytical they are and I can pretty much guess their story. Um, I don't think that's just, I don't think you just sort of, you know, paint a brush over everybody, but definitely, you know, going through trauma, violence and abuse, you, you know, you move into this protective, this protective state. And so you, you know, like, I think my, I think I became very, I think I was always smart, but I came very, very bright and very intelligent because I had to, you know, I had to, you know, I had to be pretty creative in the situations I got myself into and to get out of them. I mean, that's some pretty brutal situations I was in that I was put in initially. And then I put myself in situations too. So. And why, why would you, why would you start putting yourself into those same situation when, when you were forced to get into that, that you kind of have no choice, but as you became older, now you started putting yourself into those situations. Is that a question of identity? Um, that like, that's something you're recognizing. I think from like, for me, from a relationship perspective, um, you know, I, I, I didn't get what all of us need when we're little. Uh, and that's, you know, validation and, confirmation and you know connection and any connection I got any physical connection I got was unhealthy and so you know um, I grew up you know very with a poor uh, very low self-confidence and, and a big inferiority complex thinking there was something wrong with me I remember that all the time think what's wrong with me what's wrong with me um, and um, so I went searching for confirmation that I was an okay guy. And I did that through relationships. Mm -hmm. So, but then as soon as I, as soon as I got the confirmation that I was okay, I didn't believe it. And so then I would destroy the relationship. Because that was not, that was not confirming what you were trying to, to, to get well, as a message. Well, no, I, I was trying to get validation, love and approval. But then when I got the very thing that I wanted, I didn't believe it was true because I thought I was a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. I go, this isn't true. <laughs> Even though I like the very thing that we needed want, everybody needs, you know, validation, love and approval and connection. Um, and, you know, uh, not being criticized. Um, like, like even just, you can be in a normal family and have, you know, wonderful parents, but they're critical. If you're critical of kid, of children, you know, they grow up struggling. You either, you either grow up confident or you don't. There is no middle ground. You either are or you aren't. And kids that are criticized grow up with a poor self-image. Kids that are praised 
and can invalidate and loved, they grow up with a healthy self-image. Mm-hmm. Period. Now, from that point, and I mean, like we, we've been going back and forth, but what, what I see, I mean, some people, and you mentioned it earlier, uh, they just can't deal with that. And they just, mm-hmm. they just pull the plug. And they say, okay, that's it. You know, this, mm-hmm. this world, there's nothing beautiful into it. But for you, you had, and you said that the, the four agreement probably saved your life, is you had this, this little light inside when it was mm-hmm. dark where mm-hmm. you said, there's something beautiful about me. So I, I want to look into this. So even though that you had all those fuck ups, then you just decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go after it and I'm going to find it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, like the story, when my story came out, um, I was almost 40 years old and I'd blocked it all out. Like I, some of the things I'm telling you were all blocked out until I was 40. Um, and people go like, like if, you, if, you, if you look at my story, I should either be dead, homeless, or in jail. Um, and people go, how did you, like, how did you get through all that? Um, and luckily I was adopted uh, and I knew I was adopted from a very young age. So I knew I was in the wrong family. And so I'm looking at these people that were the poor. I mean, they're these poor souls, they were struggling so much. So I think I always, um, had hope and I'm looking at them going like, that ain't me. <laughs> Cause I just felt out of place and I don't know, maybe somehow that gave me, you know, hope that I was going to have a better life. And I just kept I, you know, I kept working at it, kept working. I was de- definitely determined and persistent to um, um, figure this out. And I, I guess maybe, you know, there is an analytical side of me because I was always trying to figure it out. And maybe that, maybe that served me. Yeah, that's, that's a term. That's a term I love when you say is I will figure it out. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that, is, that is a signature of you now uh, mm-hmm. that I know. But mm-hmm. somehow Bob had been... Did, did, you, did you believe that Bob saw something in you? Because you, you kind of developed a, a special relationship with him, like almost from the beginning that he took you under his coaching program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, when I met him, <laughs> I'll never forget it. Uh, like when I actually got to sit down with him, I, I went to a, a weekend event with him in LA, there's only 14 people in the room and you, you work with him for a couple hours. And he said, why don't you meet me in Toronto when we're back? He lives in Toronto. Why don't you meet me in Toronto when we're back? And we'll talk. Well, it took me about a couple of months to meet him. And I wrote up uh, a series of questions. I'm like, I'm meeting with Bob Proctor, right? I mean, it's like meeting with the Pope. So I, <laughs> I, I, I typed up all these questions and, and I printed them off and I took them down with me uh, to Toronto. And he had the, the questions printed out. He, he, he picked them up, he looked at them and then he, then he looked over at me and he looked at them again and he tore them up and he threw them in the garbage. He goes, you know what your freaking problem is? I go, what? He goes, you can't make a fucking decision. <laughs> and he was right. He said, if I answer these 15 questions, you're just going to have another 15 questions. And he went at me for an hour. Um, and I'll never forget it. It was the best thing. He said, look, he said, I'll help you. He said, but you got to do exactly what I tell you to do. And I made a commitment that day that I was going to follow his um, instruction. And so, I don't know, I think he, you know, I think he saw that in me and um, he was willing to help me. And, and so I, I did that. And then, you know, I just, I set a really big goal. Um, I didn't want to just, you know, work in the company. I wanted to, I want to work with him. 
And so I made my mind up, that was in May of 2014, that I was going to be, you know, the top guy in the, in the company with him. And um, by the end of August, I got a phone call from him and, and he gave me the position that I now hold with Proctor Gallagher. And, um, and that's, you know, that's just been the greatest blessing. This, I mean, this company and Bob and, you know, everything about this has just changed my entire life and the, and the lives of people around me. And, um, you know, I'll be forever grateful. He's uh, like, he's a genuine, he, he, like, he really is the guy, like he, what you see, he walks the talk. And that's, I think that's what I respected in him. He wasn't just up there on stage, getting people all motivated and making all kinds of money. Like he really was the real deal. And if you, and you, you've got to know him now and speak to him. You want to sit down and talk to him. He's just a, he's just a regular guy um, that loves to help people. And it was, there was a lot of similarities in our story um, and our motivation for what we do. And so I don't know, I guess he, I think he sees something. I certainly see something in him and I'm forever grateful that I get to, I get to talk to him. That's for sure. and work with him. You know, I've been, I've been asking this question to, to someone else as well about that. It's like, how is he in, in a day-to-day life? Because everybody sees Bob and they saw him on the secret and his presence when he's on, on stage or in front of a camera is, is staggering. Uh, mm. I'm always fascinated and knowing that, you know, he's AD4 now, he's, uh, he's traveling the world, he's, um, he's always on the go, mm-hmm. spend four or five days on stage and uh, nothing face him. But how is he as a, as you said, he's a normal guy. How is he as a normal guy? Well, he's just a regular guy. I I think he finds it fascinating that people think there's something special about him. Um, I mean, you sit down and, I mean, you go to his He's a pretty quiet man. Uh, He likes likes his, uh, you know, his quiet time. He's got this beautiful studio that he gets up in the morning, walks out of his house about 100 feet from his backyard. He goes to this beautiful you know, broadcasting studio. Um, he's just a, he's just a nice, humble guy. Um, but just, you know, was committed to, you know, figuring this out. And then once he figured out, he just wanted to share it with people and he still continues to, you know, study every day and he's a product of his own product and just loves uh, helping people. But he's just, he's just a regular, he's just a man. And that's what I realized very, very quickly. Like I'm not intimidated by him. Um, I mean, once he threw through my questions in the garbage and, you know, gave me shit for an hour, uh, from then on, I really respect him. I just, he's just, he's a regular guy. And, you know, we laugh our asses off and talk and joke. And he's just a regular guy. I mean, a lot of people look at him kind of like he's a very a fatherly figure. I'd call him probably a fatherly figure for me, for sure. Uh, he's just so that grandfather that you like. But the guy's got friggin' energy. Like he, and when I first started working with him, my first week that I did an event with him, it was just the two of us. He's at the back of the room. He's got his shoes off. He's rubbing his feet. He's going, damn, my feet are killing me because we were working. But he was outworking me like crazy. And he outworks everybody. Like the, the guy's just unbelievable. But he knows how this works. Like the reason he's 85 and he's just, he's jumping on a plane right now on his way to Frankfurt, Germany. I mean, he knows how this works. He understands how your mind controls your physical body. And he's, he's not slowing down. He's speeding up. But he knows how this works. He's a, he's a student and he, he applies the material that he studies. Now, what, what is your objective for right now? We're in 2019, just starting an uh, amazing year to come. And I know the company is in full speed, want to uh, grow. And, and we are into a, a growth mode. 
What is your personal objective with, with your division? Well, I've got, I've got three objectives. I got two are professional and one are personal. Um, so professionally, you know, uh, as a consultant myself, um, I obviously want to continue to help as many people uh, as I can reach um, because I just see such potential in people. Uh, somebody saw something in me and, and if they hadn't, I don't know where I'd be right now. Um, and a lot of people are struggling. Um, also uh, to uh, expand the number of consultants that we're working with, because uh, the more consultants that we can bring on that can share this information, I can reach a lot more people through others than I'll ever reach on my own. And so I've got, we've got a big goal to, you know, expand our consultant base and uh, reach more people with this information. And then personally, um, I've got a real passion for uh, people that are struggling. Um, I was a, I was a young kid uh, who really struggled and I grew up to be an adult who struggled. Um, luckily I had a daughter that, uh, at the right time and it got me to realize my ability uh, to be a, a great uh, parent. And I, I made my mind up that um, if I could help young people, so they don't grow up to be adults that are struggling, or if I could help adults that are struggling, that are trying to raise children. So, you know, they don't raise children that are struggling, then I can really make a difference. And when my story came out, somebody said, why don't you, why don't you get involved in, um, in um, reducing, um, uh, sexual child sexual abuse. I go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to breed it out. And so if I can, you know, if I can teach an adult, you know, how to live their life and be a great parent and they can raise healthy children and those children turn into adults and they raise healthy children, then we can breed it out. And so um, I'm just, I'm just out to get people to wake up to their realize they've got a mistaken identity. They're not who they think they are. Um, they're capable of so much more and their story doesn't dictate their future. What would you say to someone right now, which is right there and, uh, and has, you know, they're listening to you and they're just like, okay, there's hope. What would be the very first step that they should take in order to, to get out of that um, self-fulfilling prophecy? Um. First step. Well, it's a it's a bold one for some, for a lot. Uh, I would start telling the truth about who you are, and I'd start telling your story. Uh, I remember the first person I told my story to, and um, I realized the more that I started to be myself and tell my story, um, I began to I began to feel better because you know when you tell your story, people tell you their story, and so I think. You know, like I said earlier, I think everybody's struggling. Um, they don't want to admit it, but they do want to talk about it. And I think if you just start talking to somebody that cares and just tell the truth about who you really are, and you'll realize you're not alone, number one, because <laughs> everybody's struggling. Um, I would do that. Um, I, would, I would make my mind up that uh, I'm going to live my life different. Life is short. I mean, it can be gone like, like, like I could get like off that. this call, yeah. and I could be gone tonight. You know, God, hope that doesn't happen. I got plans, but, um, <laughs> you know, I just, I think we really got to get, we really got to get serious about, you know, this life that we have, this gift we've been given and the potential that we have and, and don't let our stories, you know, rule us. Um, uh, judgment is a, you know, judgment is an epidemic. 
Um, we've been taught to judge other people. We were raised to judge ourselves. And when people judge us, you know, it really, it, it really hurts. So I would, I would stop, I would stop judging other people. If you stop judging other people, you'll stop judging yourself. And then when people judge you, you'll be immune. And so um, I would just be looking at people for the beauty that's in them. Just look for the good in everybody you come in contact with and, and share that with them. Um, and if you hand that out, you're going to get it back. You don't do it to get it back, but it'll make you feel good about yourself because you, you can help a lot. If you're struggling, you can help a lot of people because you can relate. You know what they're going through. So take care of others. You'll take care of yourself. Doc Dane, consultant and international sales director of Thinking into Results and Proctor Gallagher Institute. Doug, thank you so much for having done this. I know that there's a lot of people right now, and I can feel it. There's a lot of people that will connect to what you just said. And uh, if we can have um, inspire, you know, just one person, we've done our work. Thank you so much. Well, Marcos, I want to thank you. Um, the work that you do is phenomenal. You're, you're a good man and a good person. You care deeply about people. That's why you're doing this, this show. I mean, you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for others. You're not doing this for me either. And um, I think you're just a, a heck of a guy. I'm, I'm honored to know you and to be able to work with you and uh, get to know you and call you a friend now. You're a beautiful man. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, man, take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please write a review and subscribe to never miss a future episode of After Dark with Mark. As well, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mark Jospitre.